Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome to Prophecy Today. Dear friends, we've got 90 minutes of information you do not want to miss. We're going to go around the world with what's unfolding. What a week it has been. So glad you could join us to hear what our broadcast partners have to say about so many different events, current events that absolutely are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Ken Timmerman is standing by. We'll go to him. Sharam Hadian, he's going to be on the broadcast in the second half hour. He was born in Iran. His father was a high-ranking military officer. He's going to give us some very interesting thoughts, and he's on top of the terror cells, the Iranian terror cells that are here in the United States. Sam Rohr, he's a political leader of the Pennsylvania Senate for many years, but now a broadcaster. We're going to be talking about, did the president make the right decision at the right time? These are activities that we're covering here on Prophecy Today. This is a very important program. Maybe you can call a friend in some type of a break here and get them to listen in as well, or we'll send them to our website to follow up and listen to some of these interviews at a later time. Right after the broadcast, Judy and I head to Florida. We're going to Hudson, Florida, Word of Life, Florida. I'll be teaching there Monday through Friday. We'll do that every morning at 9 o'clock on Tuesday and Thursday evening. And I'm going to introduce my brand new video series entitled, Is the United States in Bible Prophecy? We've worked on it this last year. We just sent it to the duplicator. Tell you more about it, but it's going to be in our Prophecy Bookstore at our website, prophecytoday.com, and we'll be giving some more promotion to it. We'll talk about it in a couple of programs from now. We're going to Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to be out there for 10 days. Every single night I'll be speaking at a different location. They're in Arizona, also in New Mexico, and the western part in the panhandle of Texas. And I just got to tell you one more thing. We begin on Sunday, uh, the first of an eight-part series with the John Ankerberg television program. A couple of months back, John asked me, uh, to teach the book of Revelation chronologically on eight different programs. It's going to be going into the European Union at prime time, all across India in a number of different dialects, and then into China and into the Middle East. What an opportunity. Praise the Lord. You pray for us and look at the local listings for the TV program that will be in your area sometime each and every week for the next Eight weeks. Well, an exciting program. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Let's get right now to Ken Timmerman. Ken, I hope I have a couple of minutes to talk to you because there's so many interesting and very important activities taking place. I guess the number one headline across the entire world would be the Ukrainian plane that was supposedly shot down by the Iranian military. A couple of missiles hitting the plane that was taking off at the Tehran airport. What do we know? Well, this is an extraordinary event, as you say, and it does look like it was hit by an Iranian air defense missile by mistake, killing all 176 people on board. Uh, the plane took off shortly after Iran launched its own missile barrage against Iraq bases where U.S. personnel were stationed. 
and it sees that the, uh, the Iranian missile teams just had assumed that uh, the Americans weren't going to launch a counterstrike, and anything in the air was fair game. It's an extraordinary act of incompetence. In, in addition to the tragedy for all the families involved, it just makes you wonder about uh, Iran's military. Some of those uh, papers uh, reporting in the European Union are saying that the Iranians took a bulldozer out there and they just simply t- moved all of the remains of that aircraft out of the site. It's going to be very difficult in the investigation to come up with the truth, isn't it? Uh, well, that's correct. And they have um, also uh, claimed that they will not turn over the black boxes to international investigators. Mm-hmm. Well, guess why they wouldn't do that? Because the black boxes would show an instantaneous cutoff of communications with no warning or anything else, perhaps even a pilot remarking to the co-pilot, oh my gosh, what's that? The Iranians are going to try to cover us up, cover this up. They're doing their best. Uh, but I think on this one, the truth's going to come out. Interesting. The strike uh, by President Trump was, in effect, taking out the leader, the military leader, number two man in the government of Iran, Soleimani. But at the same time, the response to that from Iran was attacking a couple of U.S. military bases uh, there in Iraq. And the Iraqi prime minister making this statement that if this does not settle down, this crisis actually could threaten an all-out war, both in Iraq, the Middle East, and in fact the world. You think that could be the case? Well, I think the Iranians are not over yet. They've not finished their retaliation, and I don't think that they have been strategically deterred from launching attacks against the United States. I think we're going to expect cyber attacks against the U.S. Uh, That is non-kinetic. They will not kill Americans. They feel that that is behind the red line. Uh, But beyond that, the Iranians still have the same goal they've had for the past 40 years, which is to drive America out of the Persian Gulf and, indeed, out of the Middle East entirely. They think they can force us to leave Iraq. They're using their proxies in Iraq, who include the prime minister, as you just mentioned, to uh, end the current U.S. military presence in Iraq. And they're getting support for that position from uh, many here in the United States, and not just Democrats, you know, a number of political leaders on the right who believe that we no longer have any strategic reason for being in Iraq. I have real concerns about the statements being made by some of those political leaders. That's another discussion for another time. Iran's thirst for vengeance, do you think that will turn them against the Jewish state of Israel, Ken? I tend to doubt it at this point. I think the Iranians uh, understand that Israel will not act with the same restraints as President Trump has done, uh, and that uh, Israel has already demonstrated that in Syria, repeatedly attacking Iranian Quds Force positions there. Uh, narrowly missed General Soleimani, apparently in 2015, uh, we've learned. So uh, I think the, the, the Iranians understand Israel is well-prepared. They are on alert. Uh, they're ready for any kind of Iranian mischief, and they will strike back ruthlessly and quickly. Yeah, the Prime Minister of Israel, Prime Minister Netanyahu, who is acting Prime Minister of a caretaker government, they, of course, could go quickly to an emergency government, giving the Prime Minister full powers. But he made this statement, if Iran comes after them, they're going to receive and suffer a crushing blow. 
That's a pretty tough statement right there. What about China? You know, China is trying to get more powerfully involved in the Middle Eastern area, and in fact, all over the world, to tell you the truth. But uh, they are touting uh, their strategic partnership with Iran, but they still have not condemned uh, and made any comments about Soleimani. What do we know? Well, the Chinese are keeping their cards close to their vest. They don't want to, uh, you know, anger the United States needlessly. They've got nothing to gain from that. At the on the other hand, they see an opportunity here uh, in Iran, both commercially and strategically. Remember, as we discussed last week, they had, uh, or two weeks ago, I believe it was, they had uh, recently naval exercises with Iran and with Russia just outside the Persian Gulf. Uh, this is, you know, part of their. Belt and Road Initiative to um, to have communications lines and commercial lines and military bases linking them all the way from China to Europe through the Persian Gulf and Central Asia region. So China, China sees an opportunity, and I expect that they will continue to exploit it by selling more sensitive equipment to Iran, uh, including uh, defense equipment. Ken, a very interesting visit in the Middle East. Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, made a rare visit to Syria to meet with Bashar Assad. What was that all about? Well, that's right. This is only the second trip he's made to Syria since the civil war began in 2012. The last one was uh, a little over two years ago. Uh, They were coordinating what uh, they are going to be doing together to shore up the Syrian regime, the Russians in particular, now that General Soleimani is gone. I expect that uh, President Putin was reassuring uh, Syrian President Assad that Russia is not going to leave, not going to be deterred by the killing of Soleimani, and uh, Russia is the main partner. I think that's what his message was. Russia is your main partner. Don't worry about Iran. Our old friends there in Turkey, Tayyip Erdogan, has put in movement uh, their invasion of Libya. European Union saying this is an uptick that they do not think should be taking place. What do we know? Pretty extraordinary. Uh, Erdogan is brazen. He really knows no restraint. Uh, and, and, you know, he thinks he could just go jump across the Mediterranean with military forces, occupy Tripoli, the capital of Libya, and then his next move, which he's already announced, is to declare sovereignty over all of the uh, international waters between Turkey and Libya. And that includes, by the way, a very large uh, oil and gas field off the coast of Cyprus that Turkey is trying to claim exclusively for itself. So this is really a brazen imperialist act by Erdogan uh, that, frankly, goes way beyond much of what the Ottoman Empire did in its last two centuries of existence. Yes, and this is a story we'll stay on top of as well. That's why we are so happy to have Ken Timmerman at this broadcast table. So I'm on Fox and Friends the other day, and it was on uh, the other networks around the world. We're just thrilled that Ken is a part of our broadcast team. Ken, thank you so very much, my good friend. Stay safe this week. We'll have another conversation next week. Thanks so much, Jimmy. It's always a pleasure to be with you. God bless. We're going to take a break. A Middle East news update in store for us. If you stay tuned, David Dolan has that right here on Prophecy Today.
The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy to understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end times prophecy book that God has preserved in his scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Here at Broadcast Central, Judy and I leave for Word of Life, Florida. We'll be down there all next week, Monday through Friday. Nine o'clock each morning, I'll be teaching the book of Revelation chronologically. Now, this is different than most teachers approach their time of teaching the book of Revelation. I'm going to do this because John Ankerberg just recently asked me to do eight television programs with him and teach chronologically the entire book of Revelation. It's going to be seen in the European Union, all across India, China, and the Middle East. We're so excited. And look at your local listings to find out when the John Ankerberg program is on in your area and do pray for us. And let me also just remind you, we just have a brand new video that is becoming available. Is the United States in Bible prophecy? Tell you more about it, but it's going to be in our prophecy bookstore at our website, prophecytoday.com. And we'll be giving some more promotion to it. We'll talk about it in a couple of programs from now. Well, let's go to David Dolan. We've got a lot to talk about with David and all of our broadcast partners today. Uh, David, the concern that Israel must have, because the prime minister said this week there would be a crushing blow to any Iranian attack if indeed they did come after the Jewish state, and they are talking about that. We don't know what's going to happen. But in light of that, a very important breakthrough as far as a defensive weapon, a laser, has been developed to be able to intercept missiles in any attack from the skies. 
which is so key as far as the Israeli Defense Force is concerned. Can you give us more information about this new laser approach to defense in the military? Well, Jimmy, the Israelis are extremely concerned from what I'm hearing. I've been talking to a few of my friends that are in security in Israel, in the military, and and that sort of thing, and they are extremely concerned by what they saw on Tuesday evening because these were not missiles or rockets. These were cruise uh, missiles, low-flying cruise missiles that absolutely we found out on Thursday when photos were released, not by the U.S. government, but private uh, photos taken by a American company, actually, that these precisely hit their targets. They did destroy the main command base on the um, al-Assad base in western Iraq. They hit it precisely, destroyed it. They hit four or five other buildings precisely and destroyed them. It's only because U.S. Uh, forces had the uh, heads up that an attack was coming, were expecting it. They had already evacuated all the personnel, that there were no casualties. It's not, was not a fake attack, as some were saying. It was not designed to miss its targets. It was precisely on its targets. And the Israelis have admitted that they do not have the capability to spot or shoot down such low-flying uh, cruise missiles, and neither apparently did the United States. The U.S. has the same exact anti-aircraft missile systems, anti-missile systems, and anti-aircraft systems that Israel does. Basically, Israel has gotten them via the United States, and they were not able to take out those uh, rockets. The northern base that was struck up in uh, up in the Kurdistan area, those also did not kill anyone because everybody had been evacuated. From the scene. So the laser weapon is a new weapon. It's designed to, you know, add another layer of protection. So uh, Israel is gearing up as much today as it was last week after uh, Soleimani was uh, was targeted uh, for an attack from Iran. David, are your sources uh, revealing to you that this laser technology will be up and operating soon enough to be able to defend themselves, or is that still a long way to go. Well, Jimmy, what I understand, and I'm not an expert in that area, but what I understand is the problem is detecting the low-flying cruise missiles. The, some of these now are flying just above the ground. I mean, you know, not two feet, but they are very hard to spot with radar or with anything. So the uh, Iron Dome is excellent. The David Sling is excellent. What Israel has uh, the arrow is against uh, the, you know, major ballistic missiles. But, see, these were designed in the days when rockets went up <laughs> into the atmosphere and then came down, or at least they flew, had to fly high enough that you could detect them. Now these targeted cruise missiles are so precise and so low-flying and fast that it's, it's a question of spotting them. The, the laser would work. Uh, they feel that President Trump is trying to stay out of war, and nobody gives him grief over that. Who wants to go to war? Who wants another conflict? But as I've said so many times, it takes two to make peace, one to make war. And Iran is determined, it seems, to make war at this time. And uh, the Israelis, is all I can say is they are extremely concerned. And we had, uh, you know, the chief of staff, Kohavi, warned after Christmas that the public must be prepared for 
major attacks on the cities that will include a lot of casualties. Now, the good news is we don't think that in Lebanon yet they have many of these uh, precise cruise missiles, but they have enough, Jimmy, that uh, we could have, uh, you know, attacks coming from several directions. And as far as we know, they don't have them in Gaza, but they might have them in Gaza, too. So they might be coming in from three directions against Israel. And uh, when the attack occurred on the U.S. bases, the Americans were expecting it. They were preparing for three days for it. They knew this would probably come right after Soleimani's funeral, which it did. And so there were no casualties, but that was just because everything was in order. Uh, on a normal day, that isn't the situation. So the Israelis are extremely worried, and the, ra- the uh, laser weapon is a help, but uh, they're not thinking it's going to save them now. They really uh, have to use, they'll have to use their Air Force. And, Jimmy, I would say now a preemptive Israeli strike on Iran uh, is very, very likely because of all of this. Very interesting information we're getting from David Dolan, the man who covers the Middle East for many years and for us here on Prophecy Today. Let me change the subject to a couple of other matters. We don't have very much time, so just give me some quick answers, if you will, David. Israel is advancing plans for 2,000 more new settlers' homes at the same time the Israeli Defense Minister, Naftali Bennett, seeks one million settlers there in Judea and Samaria. This is an uptake, is it not? It is, Jimmy. And, you know, uh, what I just said earlier, I don't want to leave the impression that Israel is about to be destroyed. It is not. Uh, The God of Israel told us through all of the ancient prophets that the Jewish people would be returned to their land, they would rebuild their ancient cities, they would live there, and they would prosper. And they have done all of those things. It continues to happen, and there will be continued building in Judea and Samaria. The Israelis are going nowhere, but they are looking for uh, a real fight here in the meantime. But, uh, you know, uh, Jews are returning, and even now from New York, Jimmy, with all the anti-Semitic attacks, violent attacks over the past couple months, we hear that the flow is growing of Jews that are leaving that area. This is definitely the case in France still and in other parts of the world where there are remaining Jewish communities. They are choosing to go back to Israel as their safest option, so that says something. And those one million settlers will be that first line of defense for the state of Israel, will they not? They will. That ground will not be given away, as uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's made clear. They will keep the Jordan Valley. They will keep their eastern defenses, and they must do so because they have these powerful enemies to the east. Israel didn't invite Iran to come and attack them, like I've said, but they're doing it, and they have to remain strong. And the more people they have there, the better. Former member of the Israeli Knesset, Yehuda Glick, who was also the director of the Temple Institute, people preparing to build the next temple, interrupted Prime Minister Netanyahu in a speech this week, and he made the statement, don't forget we have to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Quite an interesting statement. He interrupted Naftali Bennett, who is the defense minister as well, and, uh, of course, the defense minister a former settler, said, yeah, we'll build that temple. Interesting comments. Well, it is, Jimmy. And again, uh, Israel's back in its land. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to be destroyed. And as I've said all along, it will only be after another major war that Israel will have the chance to uh, build uh, the temple. 
and really take control of the Temple Mount. So it looks like that may be what's coming, but God's hand is in all of it, and we have to keep looking up. But boy, once again, they all need prayer. <laughs> it's an exciting, it's a dangerous time, but an exciting time as well, as it seems like all the prophetic events forecast in the Word of God are about to come to fulfillment. David Dolan, the man who covers that region of the world, so key to our understanding of the prophetic end-time events that are seemingly unfolding at the time. David, thank you so very much. We'll have another conversation next week. You're welcome, Jenny. God bless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, an Iranian-born friend of mine, Sharam Hadian, is going to talk about Islamic eschatology and the Iranian terror cells here in the United States. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. How do you like your news? You know, Jimmy, folks are listening to the news every single day, but sometimes they're getting that liberal bent, and we want them to have a different look at the news. Jay, that's correct. I have listened to ABC, CBS, and NBC when I returned from Jerusalem back to the United States, having just witnessed a news event in the Middle East, and hear the commentators over here speaking something almost different. That's why I write the Until Newsletter, and it takes the leading news stories of the month. I give the absolute truth behind all the details in those headlines, and then we look at it from a prophetic perspective. I want to give you the insight from God's Word as to how the political is setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. And Jay's going to give you the phone number how you can get your free copy of Until the Prophecy Newsletter. Just give us a call at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central. Once the broadcast is over, we head to Word of Life, Florida. I'm going to be teaching the book of Revelation chronologically. Now, when I say teaching the book of Revelation, everybody's doing that, but they're not doing it chronologically. I'm going to lay this out. What really motivated me was John Ankerberg asked me to come on his telecast, which is not only seen here in America, but around the world at prime time there in Europe, and then in India and China at prime time all across the Middle East. And he asked me to teach the entire book of Revelation chronologically in eight different programs. Now, the program that is beginning that series will be this weekend. So in your area, you might want to check the times in your television station operations to see what time the Anchorberg Show will be on the air. This will be a great opportunity to study with us the book of Revelation. So therefore, I'm going to Word of Life, Florida, and then, of course, we fly to Phoenix, Arizona. I'm on a network called the VCY America Network. They have just been able to purchase a very powerful FM radio station in Phoenix covering almost all of the Arizona area, also into Texas and into New Mexico. We'll be doing eight or nine meetings, one right after another, one meeting every single day, then travel down the road to another one. 
You need to pray that this old man will be able to keep standing as we go through all these locations. So pray for us, if you will. A very busy January for us here at Prophecy Today. Well, let's get to the broadcast partner that I said would be coming along. It's Sharam Hadian. He has a wonderful ministry. It's called the Till Project, and that means truth in love. He was actually born in Iran. He is now having a ministry among those Muslim people here in America in an endeavor to try to lead them to the Lord, first of all. And he also has a Bible teaching ministry as well. Uh, But just during the break there, we caught up a little bit on what's been going on. We have not had Sharam Hadian on the air with us in quite a time as a broadcast partner. Sharam, I understand that you had a little hiccup in your health back at Thanksgiving time. Can you give us a quick report on that so we can pray for you? Well, thank you for having me on, Dr. Dion. And yeah, on Thanksgiving, I actually suffered a heart attack, and I'm just praising God and uh, just continue to covet prayers for the full recovery of the Lord. Yeah, well, that's that's the case with all of us, the young or old. We need His strength and his power to be able to do what we do. Well, let's get to the subject at hand. You were born in Iran. You moved to the United States with your family. Your father had a very high position there in the Iranian military. That was during the times of the Shah of Iran. I want to have you just give us first blush your thinking about what the United States did under the direction of President Trump in taking out the number two guy, the military leader of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, Soleimani. What do you think about what did happen? Well, I think, Dr. Young, this was a very bold move by President Trump. And and I have a theory that I think it's going to be hard to prove because there are details that the uh, president and the executive office is not yet releasing. Even you saw members of the Senate had a meeting with the president, and they were not given all of the information because there are sources that are, I believe, human intelligence that had given up Soleimani's location that he was going to be in Baghdad for that drone strike. But here's the thing. I believe the Iranian government was trying to bring a repeat of the 1979 embassy siege, and they were targeting the embassy in Baghdad, and President Trump was not going to be Jimmy Carter. President Trump was not going to allow the United States to go through another embarrassing 444 days, if we all remember the hostage crisis back then, and how they were taunting us day in and day out under the leadership of Jimmy Carter, who allowed, let's not forget, Khomeini to come back in, who betrayed the Shah of Iran. My dad retired early from the military because of the fact that the United States government under Jimmy Carter canceled and changed the relationship with the United States military, which at that time was very good. So I think this was a bold strike. I think it was a necessary strike. Incredible intel that they got Hassim Soleimani. And the other thing people have to remember, Dr. DeYoung, Soleimani's activities did not start in the last few years, or Gulf War One, Gulf War Two, it started back when Iran went to war with Iraq in the early 1980. The insurgency into Iraq, they've been trying to upend Iraq and, and make it a Shia stronghold since then. So I think that 
It was necessary. I think it was, it was an incredible message to the Iranian government. You are not dealing with Obama. You're not dealing with Jimmy Carter. This is not an appeasement administration anymore. And that's the only message that Iran understands, that you have to speak force. Now, with that said, you know, people have asked me, should we go into Iran and bomb Iran? No, I, I mean, obviously, I don't believe anybody desires a full-on war with Iran. Iran has too many proxies, and they will strike using their proxies, like Hezbollah and other things. And I know you want to talk about that, but just very quickly, I, I really want people to understand, pray for Iran, pray for the underground movement in Iran, because part of the reason that you've seen these protests, every year there is at least one to two protests of Iranians coming into the streets, shouting down with Islam, down with Khamenei, who's a supreme leader, because the, the more and more young people, uh, w- we're seeing a revival in Iran. They estimate there could be close to 2 million now born-again mm. Christians in Iran. Mm. So that's what I think ultimately going to change Iran. But, of course, I also believe Iran is mentioned in Bible prophecy, of course, in Ezekiel 38. And, and, and this is, I think, the chess pieces coming to play, as Ezekiel 38 has predicted. So, you know, I just say they did an incredible job. This was a huge move, and I think it set Iran back quite a ways by losing Hassim Soleimani and all the evil, evil things this man has done. You know, Soleimani, and I understand this from uh, his own statements, basically, was driven by his eschatology that the 12th Imam will come to power after a catastrophic event, which would be sponsored by Iran, go to Jerusalem and set up a worldwide caliphate. And I do believe that eschatology has been driving the leadership, the supreme leader of the Supreme Council as well today. So eschatology the Iranian eschatology driving this evil terror-sponsoring nation as well. So we'll, we'll see other things that will happen. There are reports, Sharam, and you have pretty much studied up on this, that there are a number of terrorist cells that would be sponsored by the Iranians. And I'd like to get your thought on how big a problem that might be here in the United States, and would they dare strike the United States from within. Uh, absolutely. And if I could just briefly, just very briefly, just address your point about eschatology, Dr. Dion, because you've raised an incredibly important point. This is something that I think uh, all of these quote-unquote experts on Iran don't understand, whether you're talking about their proxy Hezbollah, which by estimates. Now, I had a conversation with a congresswoman, and she could not you know, divulge specific intel that they had been given, but I I sort of was asking her, how many cells do you think are in the U.S.? And when I got into the, you know, more than 100, more than 200, she clammed up and she wouldn't say anything. So that was kind of a clue. I do believe that there are significant spies. The Iranian government has human intel spies in the U.S. There's no doubt about that. Uh, In fact, through our networks, we've identified certain ones that have been posing here in the U.S. as students, as teachers. We know that Hezbollah has been working with the Mexican drug cartel. This has been proven for several years now, and even members of Congress have attested to this, that there are Hezbollah cells. So 
I think the likelihood of a major attack, I don't think so. But I think given what just happened, there could be smaller attacks, jihadist attacks. I think it's, it's a concern. And here's two areas. One, our, our power grid. We've already known that there are some potential dry-run attacks against our power grid. So we need to really pray that the government would, would make sure to ensure the protection of, of our power grid. And two, of course, cyber attacks. Just like with China, the Iranian intelligence, you know, Soleimani was basically running the combination of the CIA and special ops. So they, they have the assets. Hezbollah is in the U.S. They do have cells. We have to pray against those things. But I don't think that they, they want to have a coordinated strikes here because they know the retaliation. They know what will happen now. But overseas, certainly against Israel, even right now, the Saudis are sort of telling Iran, hey, listen, leave us alone. You know, don't come after us because we know that there is tension between Shia Iran and Sunni Saudi and that. But just very quickly, lasting on eschatology, we have to understand, just like our eschatology matters to us, where we understand the scriptures. It's all about liberating Jerusalem and what they consider to be Muslim land. So it's all driven by eschatology. And that's what I think most of Western intel and and analysts don't understand. If you're only looking at it politically, it won't make sense. If we look at it scripturally, biblically, understand the evil behind this and the eschatology, then I think it makes more sense. Well, these are all reasons to pray for the leadership of this world. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Sharam, very interesting and very important report you have given us. Great insight, and we'll be praying for your health as well as you start moving across the country, going from town to town, church to church, to tell people what the truth of God's Word is really all about. Thank you so much, and I'm sure we'll have another conversation pretty soon down the road. Thank you, Dr. Dion, for having me on. God bless you. God bless your audience, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Very important conversation with Sharam Hadian. He was born in Iran. His family left there prior to the Islamic Revolution, but uh, he still understands that life that the people in Iran are living today. We'll bring him back to the broadcast table pretty quickly now to stay on top of this story. Well, we switch regions of the world. We go to the European Union. John Rood, who lived in Brussels, Belgium, for over 30 years. John, let's talk about what seems to be the number one story in the world right now, the Ukrainian airliner being brought down by a missile fired there in Tehran, Iran. How is the reaction going on there in the European Union to this tragedy? Yes, Jimmy, the Ukrainian plane was certainly shot down by an Iranian surface-to-air missile. Uh, Tragedy, all people aboard have been killed. There was intelligence showing the, the blips of the missile launches, You see pictures of the crash. Shrapnel is certainly indicating a missile strike. Iran will not give over the black box. One thing, though, is that it appears to be by accident. And so it was an extraordinary error. And on that flight were 63 Canadians. There were many dual nationals. But the military installation is close to the airport. So it appears by error that the time of the heightened reactions that this 
plane was taken down. The EU will be continuing to work on their ministerial level on this as well, but it appears certainly that this was an accident quite quite ironic in the sense that Iran was hoping to save lives, and then this plane really was a majority of their own people. That is correct. That's the latest information. Of course, it's changing almost on a moment-by-moment basis. So if we say something that is not as up-to-date as you think it should be, it's because we simply have not heard from that source. But we'll endeavor to give you the latest information as we can. Understand that Angela Merkel, who is the Chancellor of Germany, on her way to Moscow to meet with Vladimir Putin about this situation, the crisis in the Middle East. What do we know? Yes, Chancellor Merkel is traveling to Moscow, and we can't uh, underestimate the role that Russia has in the Middle East crisis. There was a period of a couple days before there was a reaction from Iran, and so it's pretty certain that they as well consult with Russia to see what some of their boundaries may be. So Merkel is being involved to deal with the, the international questions of the Middle East by going directly to Moscow. Actually, Putin had been, I believe, in Syria after the incident of the missile strike against the Soleimani. So uh, Russia is very involved. They're a permanent member of the U.N. Security Council. Merkel has already spoken with Turkish President Erdogan. Germany has offered to mediate in this situation. They also have come out and said that Iran has a negative role in the region and that the killing of Soleimani was preceded by Iranian actions. So it's something certainly to monitor Russia in this situation. China, it looks like European Union is endeavoring to try to mediate. You were talking about mediation. Uh, mediate between the United States and Iran. Will either party, the United States or Iran, pay attention to what the European Union may want to do? Well, the European Union has a history of, of appeasement in this area. And so France, Germany, the United Kingdom, you remember they had set up this parallel monetary system so that they would bypass the uh, sanctions. The EU is not really seen as a straight player in this situation. The situation right now has had a certain de-escalation, but the stresses there have certainly not gone away. I believe that the United States, of course, is going to continue to show the leadership in that situation. Talk to me about uh, the European Union foreign affairs chief who is warning that uh, there is some concern of the escalation in What's going on between Turkey and Libya? What do we know about that? This is a very good story to cover and to watch, Jimmy. It's not something that's going to be uh, on the headline news necessarily, but very important. Libya is becoming another center that's being destabilized, and so nations are sort of pairing off which ones are going to be behind the government forces and which are going to be backing the uh, rebel forces, and there's pretty much a 50-50 division on this. So Joseph Borrell, who is now the EU's high representative for foreign affairs and security policy, that's his title, which, of course, he's in that new position. And incidentally, he's also the vice president of the European Commission. He's spoken about this escalation of violence in Libya, specifically concerning Turkey, because Turkey has planned to send troops into Libya. 
So this is a, a new hot spot. The European Union hopes to work towards a political uh, solution and have the U.N. involved. There's an emergency session of foreign ministers in Brussels, and yet it appears that there is this increasing external influence of Turkey, and so we really need to be monitoring Libya. It is turning into a hot spot, and the quote from the high representative was that escalation of violence around Tripoli could be imminent. Folks, for the last couple of minutes, I've been talking with John Rood. We've basically been talking politics or political activities, but if you listen to who the players we've been referring to are, they're all mentioned in Bible prophecy. And in fact, uh, we see this political activity setting the stage for the prophetic scenario to come into place. That's why we have John Rood on the broadcast on a weekly basis. John, thank you so much for your report. We'll talk again next week. Thank you so very much. Very important conversation with John Rood, the European Union update, one of those key regions in the world that has a relationship with Bible prophecy. European Union most likely the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. We'll stay on top of that story with John Rood throughout this new year. It's key to our understanding of how Bible prophecy is coming together. A good friend for a couple of years now and developing a relationship through the media and the actions that we have together, I on their broadcast and Sam Rohr on my broadcast. We just recently did our Every Other Wednesday report, a Middle East news update on Stand in the Gap today. That is radio and television. And Sam Rohr is the executive director, the host of this radio, and also the television program as well. Has an interesting political background. He served as a state senator over in Pennsylvania for a, a number of years and now has taken over a key position with a radio and television broadcast reporting to the world, to the body of Christ, in essence, in America, but in fact, to the world, what is going on in the Washington, D.C. area. I know, Sam, that uh, you do a lot of political conversation. You use the Bible and the Constitution as your guidebooks as to how the United States government should be operating. And so from that political perspective, let me talk to you, and I know you have the heartbeat of those in Washington. What do you think about the president's decision uh, to take out the number two guy in Iran, Soleimani, who was the military genius and was putting all this together that was actually coming against the United States. Good decision by the president? Jimmy, I think that it was. And obviously, it's not shared by Nancy Pelosi and many on her side of the aisle. But I believe that it was a good decision by uh, and for the people of the United States. As I am able to understand, clearly, the planning stages were about to be uh, implemented where many Americans would have been uh, perhaps lost their lives. Certainly that was the intent. So what does the president, what should I ask someone, what should a president do when that knowledge is known? And I believe that biblically, because the purpose of civil government is two things, praise those who do well, punish those who do evil, and with that is to protect its citizens. The president did, and the decision made was exactly in line. And so um, 
the fact that it was the second highest leader in, in Iran certainly makes it more of an issue around the world, clearly. But again, he's the head of the snake. And if you are really wanting to save lives, and the president said, I did what I did. I made that tough decision not to start a war, but to prevent a war. And any proper military type of a situation is that you don't go just to kill people, but when you go to war, it's ultimately to prevent the death and destruction of other innocent lives. I think the president did exactly what needed to be done. And his address to the nation, I thought, was so important for America to understand what he had to say. But really, that visual that we saw from the White House with the leadership behind him, the Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, uh, those military leaders behind him as he gave his address to the nation, that was pretty key, too, wasn't it? It absolutely was. It it sent a message. I mean, it should have. It it did send a message to me, and you obviously are identifying it as well. It was a message of solidarity. It was a message of unity within the top leadership of this nation. And it should have been a message that was received by the American people. It should have been positively responded to by the media, but it didn't, and it wasn't. And it definitely sent a message to the Iranian leadership, and I believe to other government leaders around the world who were looking and saying, regardless of what we hear from the media in America, this picture says that the top leadership that really makes a difference, State Department, the President, the Vice President, the Pentagon, the military, they are standing there in agreement. I believe it was a powerful message. When I called you while you were in Phoenix, Arizona, on your way back from California over to do the broadcast, you were telling me you had just spoken to a large group of Ukrainian pastors out in Sacramento, California. I thought that was of great interest. Can you just briefly give us a report on what that was? I I can indeed. The American Pastors Network and myself and our international director who's been spending time in Ukraine for the last several years were invited to go to California in Sacramento. Believe it or not, there are over 200,000 Slavic individuals, that's Russian primarily, Ukrainian, that are in Sacramento. Now get this, 200,000 of the population of Sacramento, California, out of the one million total, are Slavic. There are 130 of Slavic churches. These are gospel-preaching churches in Sacramento alone. I was able to present what the Bible says uh, about a biblical worldview of government, of authority, and how God has laid out his plan for the nations to these pastors. And I'm telling you, Jimmy, the response was overwhelming. We know, we know, that in the Slavic mentality generally, traditionally, historically, they are not used to a government uh, such as ours built on a Judeo-Christian worldview of self-government, as William Penn set up here in, in the, my state of Pennsylvania, and then was the model for the country. They understand a, a czarist mentality, an emperor mentality. Their view of government has been, has been influenced by what they have historically seen, not by the model that God lays out in Scripture that was put into place by American founders and built within our Declaration of Independence and our basis of Christian education uh, originally and our Constitution. So they came here for freedom from these countries, 
because they didn't have it, but they're here, but they don't really feel like they're apart yet. And they, and they, they said, come teach us what the Bible says, mm. even mm. though they are strong preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and, they are, and then they have, many have been to jail, and they have had family members killed by communist leaders in the past. They don't have a full understanding of biblical truth. And so God presented an opportunity of a significant sort, and their response was just overwhelming. God has opened the door, and I believe that God just, in fact, may be using minority people in this country, like the Slavic, there's several million across the Mm. country, and most of them aren't even voting, Jimmy, Mm. but they have biblical principles. There's something happening, and uh, we were able to be a part of that, and it's going to be a developing circumstance going forward. Well, I wanted that report on the air so that our listeners might be able to pray for that community, that Christian community of the, the Ukrainians, not only in California, but across the entire United States. Sam, I realize you just got finished doing some television there in Pittsburgh. I'm thanking you for taking a few moments uh, before you had to leave and get on the road again to chat with us. Thank you so very much, my good friend, and we'll see you next on the radio. Good to be with you, Jimmy. My pleasure and honor. Great report from all of our broadcast partners, in particular Sam Rohr, giving us how the political arena in Washington and around the United States is handling the situation with Iran. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I've got David James. We're going to be talking about the history of Persia or modern-day Iran. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I ask for 90 minutes. I'm sure you've been able to give it to me because our broadcast partners have been giving us valuable information to help us understand current events and how these current events are actually setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. In fact, that reminds me of what the poll question is today. Please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, on the left-hand column. If you'll scroll down, there you will find the poll question. Here it is. With the focus on Iran this week, the elimination of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps leader Soleimani, the Iranian attack on U.S. military sites in Iraq, and the missile strike on a Ukrainian airliner. Does the mention of Iran, Persia, in Ezekiel 38.5, does this seem to be saying that these current events are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled? Now, that's our poll question. It's located on my home page of my website, prophecytoday.com. You'll notice that when you look at my schedule on the home page, we'll be at Word of Life, Florida, Monday through Friday of this next week. I'll be teaching the book of Revelation chronologically, not numerically, but chronologically. Most people teach it numerically. You need to come. It's in Hudson, Florida, the Word of Life, Florida conference grounds. And next week, we fly to Arizona, brand new radio station out there, one of our network facilities. And we're going to go out for a 10-day period of time, speaking each and every night. Pray for us as we travel through Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. 
Also, I've got to tell you about the John Ankerberg Show. I'm going to do eight telecasts with John. I'm going to teach the book of Revelation chronologically. It's going to be seen across the United States. Check your local listings for the time you can catch the John Ankerberg Show. Then we'll be seen in the European Union, India, China, and the entire Middle East. So pray for that. One final thought, we've got a brand new video project, is the United States in Bible Prophecy. Don't have much time to tell you, but uh, we'll talk about it more in future programs. It's a very important project we have just completed. We now bring to these microphones David James. And remember on last week's program, we mentioned that this week, we would be talking with David in the Philippines. And so we catch him in the middle of his ministry time there after his first week of classes. And David, I understand it's about 5 a.m. in the morning there? Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, I'm glad for the opportunity to uh, be with you, Jimmy. But I have to tell you that being 13 hours ahead of you does make it a bit tougher to connect. And as far as my time here goes, it's been great. I love doing ministry here in the Philippines with Word of Life and occasionally other ministries. And I think this is my 12th or 13th trip here. Well, I'm glad you're a young man, David. It would kill me have to get up in the middle of the night at 5 o'clock in the morning to do some crazy radio broadcast with some crazy man. But thank you for doing it. You know, as you know, the world's been carefully watching what has been happening between the United States and Iran. And of course, I've been talking about it, these developments with our broadcast partners on today's program. What thoughts can you bring to the table on that? Well, yeah, I've been watching the situation from here as well, and fortunately I've got good Internet access, even though the ministry itself is in the middle of a third-world area. Uh, But it's still been a bit tricky to watch everything from U.S. news sources because of the time difference. For example, late Wednesday morning here, I was talking with the ministry director between classes, and it was then that he told me that Iran had hit those U.S. bases in Iraq, but it wasn't until I got up at 4 o'clock the next morning that I saw uh, what the administration's response was. And, and I would say that just to give our listeners just a bit of insight into how we prepare for our weekly discussion, we were originally planning on discussing the split in the United Methodist Church over LGBT issues, uh, unless something bigger and more important hit the news, and then, of course, the Iran story literally blew up. So maybe we'll cover that other story next week, but this week we decided it was more important to keep the focus on Iran, uh, both in history and what's still ahead as we think about the end-time scenario. You know, we try to be cutting edge here on the broadcast, and our conversations each and every week are key in that format as well. Uh, Maybe we could start by talking about where the name Iran comes from, since in the Bible, the name of the region is translated Persia. And we still have the name Persian Gulf on our maps, for example. Uh, That's a great question, and the answer will probably surprise a lot of people like it did me when I first researched it. Iran's official name was Persia in the Western world until 1935, and it was also the name of the region that's much larger than the modern country of Iran. And what happened in 1935 was that the Iranian ambassador to Germany had come under the influence of the Nazis, who, of course, were advancing the idea of the superiority of the Aryan race. 
And among other things, they were using this as an excuse to try to exterminate the Jewish people. So because of this influence by the Nazis, the Iranian government told other countries to refer to it as Iran, or, and this is what uh, I didn't understand, or the land of the Aryans, because that's the name of the country in the Persian uh, language. So the linguistic and ethnic history behind the term Aryan and the Aryan race is too complicated for us to get into today, but that's where the name Iran comes from, from Aryan. A couple of other things to keep in mind is that on the one hand, Persians are the largest ethnic group that is mostly inside today's country of Iran. But on the other hand, when we think of the biblical Persian Empire, uh, which was first established by Cyrus the Great in the 500s B.C., that was far larger than today's Iran, and it stretched all the way from northwest India to Greece, and then south through Egypt to uh, even as far as Ethiopia. You know, that's very interesting information. That's information I did not know of as well. And that's good to have in my computer bank in the brain. So when I'm speaking on the issue, I can bring that up. Thank you for that research, David. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21 tells us that God both puts world leaders into place and takes them out. And you just mentioned that Cyrus the Great established the Persian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, who defeated the Babylonian Empire. What do we know from Scripture concerning how God used Cyrus the Great? Well, in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we read that it was in the first year of Cyrus the Great that the Lord stirred up his heart and commanded him to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, that, quote-unquote, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Now, Jeremiah's prophecies in both chapters 25 and 29 don't mention Cyrus by name, but what Jeremiah does talk about is how long Israel's judgment through the Babylonians would be, which was 70 years. Now, amazingly, Isaiah actually does mention Cyrus by name, and that's something that's very rare in biblical prophecy that you have a specific name like that. So in chapters 44 and 45 of Isaiah, he specifically talks about Cyrus some 150 years before he even lived. And this is what Isaiah wrote. Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. So Cyrus the Great first defeated the empire of the Medes and absorbed it into the Persian Empire. Then in fulfillment of prophecies in Isaiah 13 and Jeremiah 51 and Daniel 5, this combined Medo-Persian Empire defeated the Babylonians. And it was this fall of the Babylonian Empire that set the stage for the Jewish exiles to return to their homeland in three ways. First to rebuild the temple, then to restart the temple service, and then finally to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It's an amazing uh, set of prophecies. It's a wonderful history that we all must be aware of. Spend some time studying those passages of Scripture uh, that David just mentioned to us. Of course, we also know something about the Persian role in the history of the Jewish people because of the Book of Esther as well, where we also see the origin of Uh, for one of the two feasts celebrated in Israel that are really not included or found in the law, the Torah. 
That's exactly right. Now, Esther is an interesting book uh, for several reasons, actually, and Persia's role is certainly one of them. Uh, Even though Esther is the only book of the Bible in which God is never mentioned, his sovereign care for his chosen people, Israel, is very clear throughout the the book. Uh, Even when they were living in disobedience, the events of Esther take place uh, really between the events of Ezra, chapter 6 and 7, historically, which was sometime after about four. 85 B.C. in the Shushan province of what is southwestern Iran today. And in fact, there's still a city there of a similar name, and you can see the the mound where the ancient city stood. And so what happened was that somehow an Amalekite by the name of Haman ended up in Shushan, and he was appointed to a powerful position by the Persian king Ahasuerus. Now, historically, uh, most of our listeners probably know the Amalekites were mortal enemies of Jewish people. And so Haman took advantage of his position to try to wipe out the Jews who were still in Persia. And the fact is, the majority of them had not returned to Israel after the Babylonian Empire fell, which they were supposed to do. Then God used a young Jewish girl named Esther to providentially and sovereignly save her people from annihilation after she became the wife of the Persian king, because it was through her and her uncle that Haman's plot was uncovered. And since then, the Feast of Purim has been uh, observed each spring to celebrate God's protection at that time. Well, in the state of Israel, Purim is a very interesting time. It's similar to our Halloween. All the young people, the children especially, uh, they dress up in the different characters of the book of Esther. Some of them even take on Uh, the costume of Haman, which is probably really not a good thing for a Jewish young person to do. And uh, it's a very, very interesting time uh, that uh, the Jewish people celebrate each and every year. I also wanted to pass along that the Amalekites come from Amalek. And you go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 36 and verse 12, you'll see that Amalek was a grandson of, of Esau. Very interesting connection there. Well, David, based on what we know from Scripture, God used Persia at least twice in history to provide deliverance to the Jewish people. So I guess it's really no wonder that we also read in the Scriptures about Satan's attempt to use Persia or Iran to try to destroy Israel in the future. I would agree, Jimmy, and in fact, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the program, even though I didn't talk about Iran by name. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, we read about an end times coalition mostly made up of what are now Islamic countries that has the complete destruction of Israel as its goal. In Ezekiel 38, 8, for example, we read the following, which was spoken by God against the ruler of this nation to the north, the leader of this coalition. God says, in the latter years, You will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. Now, this attack against Israel will likely take place after the peace treaty of Daniel 9 is implemented, put into place by the Antichrist, under the guise of protecting Israel from her enemies. And if we go back to verse 5, we see that Persia is among the nations that make up this Islam 
Islamic coalition. Now, today, Iran is a Shia Islamic nation, while the other nations are primarily Sunni. But if there's anything radical Shiites and Sunnis hate worse than each other, it's the United States and Israel. So mm-hmm. they will join forces if it means wiping out the nation of Israel. Then moving to Ezekiel 39, verses 4 and 5, God says to the leader of this coalition, you shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the people who are with you, you shall fall on the open field. So this is not going to end well for the armies of these nations. Absolutely. They think they had a tough time with the elimination of Soleimani by the direction of President Trump. Just wait till Ezekiel 39 comes into play. And of course, the Antichrist will be along, but Jesus Christ will intercede to protect the Jewish people. David, I have to give you an A+. I mean, for a guy who can get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and have all that knowledge and speak so distinctly to every question I would give to you, you're amazing, buddy. Thank you for your research and for the presentation this morning. Well, thanks for the kind words, Jimmy. I'm always glad to be with you. We're glad to have you too, my good friend. All right, we're going to have to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to take a look at the book. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. Have you ever wanted to visit Israel and trace the footsteps of Jesus? With Rick and Jim's VIP trips, you'll see Israel past, present, and prophetic. Our VIP trips are typically smaller groups of 8 to 12 people. This smaller group size allows us to spend more one-on-one time answering your questions and personalizing our tour. It is a very intimate experience. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time not to only visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. We can also customize our trip for your family or small group. Please call Joshua Travel today and see how we can make your trip extra special. Call 423-821-3635 or visit us online at joshuatravel.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. On this program today, our broadcast partners had the latest news on the number one news headline in the world 
a missile strike on a Ukrainian airliner with 276 passengers and crew on board, all killed. You've heard these reports. We'll refresh your thinking on them in just a moment. You need to call a friend to alert them of this late breaking news information. Let me remind you that if you missed any of the reports, or your friends may not have even known they were on the air, you can go to pt.com, prophecytoday.com, PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. All the reports are archived there, and there is the place where they can go listen to them, or if you want to have another listen, or maybe you missed one of the reports, be sure to go to that location. That location, prophecytoday.com, PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. By the way, today our broadcast partners had some very important reports. For example, Ken Timmerman, he covers geopolitical activities. We talked with Ken about the evidence that the Ukrainian airliner crash was an Iranian missile strike. Now, when you bulldoze the crash site, you get rid of all the evidence. You will not allow anybody to listen to the information from the black box, and you deny that you are even involved. It seems to most everybody that has any sense at all that you're trying to hide something from the rest of the world. This type of activity is Iran's modus operandi, which is the way they operate. They're not ashamed of killing some of their own people to accomplish an ultimate goal. That is Islamic thinking, and of course an Islamic republic, a nation that is dictated to by the Quran, their holy book. This is the way they would operate. Remember, of course, the Bible has Iran, which is mentioned as Persia in the Scriptures, chapter 38, verse 5 of Ezekiel, and they are going to be one of those major players in that alignment of nations to try to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. David Dolan covers the Middle East. He's been doing that for over 35 years. We're so thrilled to have David along with us to give us insight into what is taking place in Israel as it relates to the other events unfolding there in the Middle East. Israel is expecting an Iranian attack, and the Israeli Defense Force has now been able to acquire a laser defense system. It's not perfect as of yet. They're doing some additional development on this laser capability. You've got to remember they already have the Iron Dome and David's sling. This would be a defensive system to take out any rockets or missiles that may be coming after the Jewish state. But also you've got to think at the same time about these were cruise missiles that Iran fired at the U.S. military sites there in Iraq. This is a very important uptick in their activities to try to wipe out either the United States, the big Satan, or the state of Israel, the little Satan. This laser technology would absolutely be very effective with a cruise missile. However, you have to have an early warning system to alert the Israeli Defense Force as to making ready to do what needs to be done with that laser technology. But we must admit, 
It is a very important tool in the Israeli toolkit of the Israeli arsenal of defensive weapons to go after and take down their enemies. But as I say all of that, no matter what the Israeli military has, they must rely on what Ezekiel 38 verse 16 through chapter 39 verse 6 says, that the Lord will intercede and protect the Jewish people. Sharam Hadian, who was born in Iran, moved over to America, converted to Jesus Christ, and now has a ministry, helped us to understand Islamic technology, the 12th Imam, coming back as the Mahdi. He will then go to Jerusalem to set up a worldwide caliphate. All the leaders of Iran, and in particular Soleimani, was dedicated to that eschatological outlook on their lifetime and their world. Soleimani said, it's either paradise or the battlefield for me. In fact, he even turned down the opportunity to become the president of Iran. And then John Rood gave us the European Union update, which is saying that uh, they want a complete investigation of this Ukrainian aircraft that was shot down. Remember, the European Union infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire, Iran with the Russian coalition, these are major players in the end-time prophetic scenario laid out in God's Word. I talked with Sam Rohr. He has his national radio broadcast, Stand in the Gap, today. I'm a regular guest with them. In fact, we were on the air talking when we broke that news about the Ukrainian airliner that was shot down, and we got the information from the Ukraine itself. This was some type of a missile attack. David James and I talked about Iran's history back in biblical times. Then they were known as Persia. Now they're known as Iran. And by the way, it's very interesting, the information David brought to our attention about how Iran got his name, a connection with Hitler and the Nazis. Well, Iran in biblical times over 4,000 years ago, from the beginning, they were very good to the Jewish people and then became bad. Good in Ezra chapter 1 being allowed to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and Ezekiel 38, a part of the alignment who wants to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. We see that this history is indicative of what the Bible tells us and also the eschatology will come to pass as well. You know, all of the reports from my broadcast partners give us tangible evidence of prophecy that is quickly coming together and to the time of fulfillment. As we report this information, as you read the prophetic scenario found in God's Word, you have to be able to recognize that it is this time when all of these prophecies will be fulfilled. Oh, by the way, that next prophecy to be fulfilled with no prophecy before it? The rapture of the church. And that can happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today is a listener-supported production of Shofar Communications in Chattanooga, Tennessee. (laughs) 